You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. This is for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. This podcast is a trust-based, trauma-informed, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Happy New Year, Christopher. Happy New Year to you. Yes, as we are recording uh, this episode, it is uh, a few days after the first of the year, 2021. And let's hope that uh, 2021 is better for all of us, including all of our listeners out there, than 2020 was. Amen, my brother. Yes. Yes. I'm ready for a fresh start, a new year. But I loved, um, you know, our pastor today, the sermon, he was talking about not looking back at the year like, okay, good riddance, but really how can we learn from it? So I'm really, I loved that perspective, looking back at 2020 and saying, how can we learn from it? What can we do differently? Um, but also, I'm so thankful for a new year. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's a pretty good unplanned segue, right? Because you said, what can we learn from it? Well, um, you know, we, we teach trauma training a lot every year. And I tell people all the time, if you're not teaching the content at least four times a year, like that's my minimum, Chris, like for me to remember <laughs> the things that I'm supposed to do and the things that are going on in my kids' lives, I need to be confronted with the truth all of the time. So well done, Kayla. Good, good non-planned segue. <laughs> well, and the, you know, what you said there, Kayla, about a fresh start. Well, that's kind of what we're going to do here on the podcast because we know we've accumulated lots of listeners over the years who maybe, you know, well, we know they weren't with us at the beginning, and maybe they haven't gone back and listened to those old episodes. And there's some good content there that is very beneficial for our foster and adoptive parents, especially if you're just coming into this world of trauma new. There's certain things, certain basics that you will benefit from knowing. And we felt that this was a good time to get back to basics, so to speak. And so on this episode, we're going to start with the most basic thing of all. What is trauma? Well, I think so much we've learned so much more even than what we knew back in the beginning when we started this podcast, right? Because we, the three of us are always continuing to read and learn and listen to others. And there's so much research that's coming out. So even, you know, for listeners that have listened to all those old episodes, you know, all the the initial episodes that we did, I think we can still, there's so much more we can even put into these new episodes. Yeah. I mean, isn't, doesn't this thing turn five this February, Chris? Something along those lines. Five. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that's just, a great point. Which, which seems like it's been both, wow, five years. That's impressive. And then really it's been f- only five, it's only been five years. Right. Well, it feels like we've been doing this a lot longer all at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's 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 the thing that that's kind of the analogy for me is is like being in a band, right? You start with with your friends and you have some success, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, we're actually doing this!" And then you kind of 
um, it's not just, hey, we're doing this because it's fun to get like coordinate schedules and. We've been doing this for how long now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like like Paul McCartney once said, the problem with the Beatles is you end up, you were the Beatles, and all of a sudden you were the Beatles with wives and kids. And then you're starting to like like factory in what your wife and your kids want to do, and all of a sudden the Beatles isn't the most important thing to you. Um, But I'm glad we're all turning five together. Some some of the listeners who know who know us personally might say, "Yeah, that's about right for Ryan and Chris five. <laughs> I like to think I'm a little older than five. Twelve, I'd go with twelve. That's pretty uh, yeah, like middle school level middle school boys. I'd give you middle school right. boys. Okay, exactly. <laughs> we we accept that. I think. I think we were talking about that yesterday with one of our kids. We're like, yeah, boys, they never grow up. They always stay at like that middle school boy age. Like that's just kind well, of where part they of end you up. does. I think part of you does. Part of you yeah. does. Yeah. It's the jokes, uh, like the, like middle school, like the things that make jokes. middle school boys <laughs> laugh still make me laugh. Yeah. But we digress. Uh, we digress for sure. Oh my gosh. But I think, I, I mean, the whole what is trauma, just coming out of 2020, what a fresh perspective yeah. we all have on what is trauma, right? I mean, just in understanding some of the things that go into, um, into trauma, how, how 2020 impacted us. You know, I was talking to somebody just the other day about how, you know, now we go into um, any public setting and you cough, which prior to 2020 was like a normal thing. Somebody would cough and you just thought they had a tickle in their throat. You didn't all of a sudden immediately like everybody's head turned towards you, right? I have allergies, people. They're seasonal. Yes, yes, absolutely. Spring and fall, I have lots of snot and lots of drainage and thus lots of coughing. Yes. You know? Yes. And she, I was talking to this lady and she was just like, you know, just think of all the, just our, our kids and how they now apologize for coughing to people, you know, like they'll go, Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, it's just, uh, I have allergies, you know, and we do the same thing, but just thinking about our kids. But I just, I mean, I just think all of us have so much better perspective on um, some of the things, obviously, you know, coughing in public is not a trauma but you know what i mean like there's so much of 2020 that is has given us a fresh perspective and maybe insight into our kids i know we've talked about this on some episodes this year or in 2020 we talked about that a little bit but i still keep reflecting on that do you remember that that meme that was doing the rounds like in uh, late march early april it said i had like a recycling bin with like a bottle of bunch of liquor bottles in it and said i used to say I don't drink a lot. I was just having a party, but now it's like I wasn't having a party. I just drink a lot. Just drink a lot, right? <laughs> yes, I remember that one. Yeah, it's oh how things have changed, but yeah. Yeah, I mean it's true. So you know, when when we talk about 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 trauma, anytime we have a chance to talk to people about it, um, we talk about you know the complex developmental trauma checklist that a lot of people are familiar with, and then also we talk about the ACEs that a lot of people are familiar with because. Well, well, complex. Uh, the CDT list um, primarily deals with with our kids. Um, we think we should look at at ourselves too, right? And Purvis used to say, "You can't show a person the path to healing if you don't know the way yourself." And so, um, and so, you know, th- that's why we want to bring the the aces in. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll talk about both of those kind of interweaving a little bit here tonight. Um, aces are fascinating. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes by one of my favorite guys uh, is by by Bruce Perry, and it says the health the more healthy relationships a child has, the more likely he will be to recover from trauma and thrive. 
relationships are the agents of change and the most powerful therapy is human love and i love that for a whole myriad of reasons and one is because uh, it combines science bible and the beatles because you know perry said the greatest thing in the world is love paul said the greatest thing in the world is love and the beatles said all you need is love so we've covered all of our bases science theology <laughs> and the beatles yes well and i think uh, you know a lot of times people come into adoption and foster care and they do think that all you need is love. Yeah. Um, and then the reality of trauma sets in, or maybe they came into adoption and they brought home an infant and they thought, well, trauma doesn't really apply. And so they kind of, kind of discounted any prenatal trauma or any early trauma because they brought the child home at such an early age. Right. And they thought, all I need is love. I'll just love this child as if they were born to me. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, trauma starts rearing its ugly head. You know, I've known plenty of people who've brought home infants from the hospital um, that were seeing the impacts of trauma. I mean, we have two. And that I think that, to me, was probably the biggest surprise because our first mm. kid that we brought home was straight from the hospital. And we kind of had that all you need is love and what trauma this kid won't ever remember anything. And then as we learned and over the years, because even when we went through our initial training classes before we became foster parents, we were always planning to bring home a baby. And so mm. no matter how many times they told us in those classes that there was this prenatal trauma and there was this relationship lost, we, we were kind of like, whatever, you know, I mean, right. we just, I think we were a little arrogant and um, so I think some of our listeners may have come to that and now they've got a four or five-year-old and they're like, wait, hold on. This isn't typical four or five-year-old behavior. Something is different. This is something beyond what you might normally see with a four or five-year-old. Maybe there was something to that. And they kind of, I think that was kind of, it was probably about four or five when we started realizing that there were some long-term impacts of trauma for those kids we brought home as babies. I don't know if it was so much arrogance as we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and when you, and when you don't know what you don't know, you just kind of fall back on what you do know, right? We kind of knew yeah. what life was for us as kids and that, and that sort of thing. And so you just go with what you know. Well, yeah. and, and I, I think, you know, to kind of, to kind of tag onto that a little bit, Chris, is um, the real the real problem that we have is that today we believe that we are the smartest people that have ever lived. Right. Yeah. Fast forward one year, and then we will then believe that we were the smartest people who ever lived. Right. So we are we are learning things. We are understanding more, but we have to then understand that that we didn't always understand everything we understand today. We didn't always know what mm -hmm. we know. Right. My, um, my younger brother will turn 40 in, in January in, in like a week or so. And I tell the story, um, a lot of times when we, when we, when we, um, please Lord, let us be able to be in the room with people in 2021 again. Um, <laughs> I miss, I miss, I miss like people, Chris being around me, you know that about me. Um, but I tell the story, um, that my mom, uh, smoked during her pregnancy, all three of them. Um, my older brother, me, and and my younger brother, but by the time he was born in um, in January of 1981, they had started to connect the dots between um, you know we always think like you know secondhand smoke we kind of take it for granted, but that's like you know in the mid 90s, 
we we started thinking about the impacts of secondhand smoke, right? I mean, we we used to. I remember going to a restaurant as as the both of you do, and they wanted to know if you want to see in the smoking section or the non-smoking section. I mm-hmm. remember the enormous deal it was when when uh, airlines went from smoke. It was all smoking, then it was smoking section, non-smoking section, and you haven't lived until you've flown twelve hours in a jumbo jet in the smoking section. Oh my gosh, it is <laughs> the worst. Uh, but I was a kid, you know, and so. Um, all those things have changed over time. Well, in nineteen, in the late nineteen seventies and early nineteen eighties, we hadn't made any connections between a mom smoking and any impact that that happened in utero. But it was bad. Um, no, I'm sorry. The, the back of the flip side of that, we hadn't made the connected the secondhand smoke dots yet. But we were starting to understand that that what mom was putting into her body while she was pregnant actually impacted her baby, right? Drugs, alcohol, and now nicotine. And so I remember, because uh, I was old enough to remember, that my mother did not smoke during her pregnancy with my younger brother because because she had to do what was best for her baby. But I also have real vivid memories of her sitting on the couch nursing him while like sucking on a Virginia Slims because there was yeah. nothing about secondhand smoke, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've always, uh, we haven't always known and I will tell you that, that that I certainly grew up in 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 a world where I didn't give much thought to children at all. To be honest, Kayla kind of did that to me, but I hadn't really given much <laughs> thought to sort of the, the the experience of a pregnant woman, right? And so you know when you look at the the the, the stress and harm during pregnancy, I remember the night we were sitting in a class and that was shared with us that that actually like a stressful pregnancy is really damaging to your child. I'm like, it's it's like they just like did, you know, waved their hands together and made a car appear or something. I was like, thought it was a magic trick, <laughs> right? And I think sometimes, and now the problem is that, that now we feel like we've always known these things. And once we feel like we've always known something, then we feel like it's not true anymore because we have to find the new thing that is true. Well, one plus mm-hmm. one equals two has been true for a long, long time, right? We shouldn't just dismiss stuff, um, what we know, in the pursuit of knowledge. We should build on what we know. And what I know is that if you are listening to this podcast, then it's likely that you're raising um, kiddos in the foster care system, you've adopted from the foster care system, you've adopted from an orphanage, you've done a private birth mother adoption. But in all of those cases, what I know about all of that is that the vast majority of us are raising kids with some kind of in utero trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. They, when you think about like statistically where kids in the foster care system particularly come from, right? You know that those are stressful environments for those for those women who are 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 are, um, are, are bearing and and raising those children. And so we cannot discount at all, right? Like if a mom, I mean, sometimes we think, okay, um, what's the big deal? Well, if somebody's only eating, you know. A package of ramen noodles for dinner because that's the one meal they can afford that has some real impacts on on the child in her uterus yeah because i think when we talk when we think foster care we only ever think like drugs and alcohol so Mm -hmm. then if we have you know for like well we know that you know birth mom didn't do drugs and she didn't drink alcohol maybe she didn't even smoke cigarettes we discount that there could have been any trauma but but there's also that stress there's that stress of knowing that um, you can't care for the baby that you're carrying. You know, there's that stress of not knowing where your next meal is going to come from or what your next meal is going to be. Because for for whatever the situation, that that mom was not able to care for that child after they were born, there was some stress that had to be 
attached to that. There was some um, there was some decision that was being made, but also there was also that separation of the baby from that voice that they were hearing, right? We know that the babies can hear the voice of their birth mom um, while they're growing, you know? And so there's this connection, there's this bond that's already building with that child. And so then that is separated when they're, when they're born, you know? So I think, you know, we can sometimes discount because we know we're like, well, you know, they didn't have, they didn't use drugs. They didn't use, you know, they didn't drink alcohol. We know those things to be true. So there's no prenatal stress. There's no prenatal harm. Yeah. And, and like, if, if you're concerned about whether the person who walks through that door at the end of the day is going to smack you or hurt you or yell at you, um, then that's stressful, right? And there's this huge cortisol mm-hmm. exchange with, with between mom and baby. Or if you're mm-hmm. concerned about, you know, paying, making rents or, or what you're going to eat, that's all really, really super stressful. And, and I think the thing that's really striking to me is as you think about these, these things we're going to talk about here, how they build on each other, right? Because, because stress and harmful pregnancy and during pregnancy very often leads to item, the second thing we want to talk about, right? Which is... No, like I'm seriously like I was asking you guys. Oh, you're staring <laughs> I, I know at you us know like... the stuff, yeah. <laughs> complications so during like delivery, complications, early medical trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. so the, like like premature birth is is all yeah. of a sudden, um, uh, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And, and and Chris, I think what was eye opening for us was when we learned these things after we became parents, and suddenly like like sort of thought of it as like a checklist, and we're like. Oh my gosh, we're checking most of the boxes on the checklist right now. So, you know, some folks know that we have three boys, two of whom are adopted, but our biological child, our oldest, actually checks a lot of trauma boxes too. Stress yeah. during pregnancy. You know, we didn't think about it like you were saying earlier, Kayla. We probably didn't think about it at the time, but my wife was mm-hmm. under a lot of stress, work related mostly. And she had other biological issues going on that contributed to his early birth, but that also put a lot of stress. Like the mm-hmm. day he was born, it was probably very stressful for yeah. her. And who knows mm-hmm. what that did to him in utero because here he was. It looks like he's going to be born nine weeks early. We're trying to mitigate that as much as possible. But from the time her water broke around, I don't know, seven thirty, eight a.m., he got delivered around 6.30 in the evening. So there was a lot mm-hmm. that could have happened to him that short little period of time that, you know, who knows how that impacted his biology. And then he spent Mm -hmm. seven weeks in the NICU being poked and prodded. And, you know, yeah, we're going and seeing him every day, but we're not there 24 seven with him. Like we would have been in normal circumstances and so forth and so on. So yeah, there's a lot that you don't think about that it might've impacted, but it looking back on it now, you can certainly say, Oh yeah, that definitely had an effect on him. That came out later on. Well, yeah. and you, you you kind of combo two of the two of them there, um, the the, the um, complicated complicated delivery and then the early medical trauma because, like I said, they build right. So right. often, if there's some kind of comment, and, and any time the word emergency um, <laughs> right. is, is used, or any time that all of a sudden mm-hmm. the medical personnel are moving really quickly, um, <laughs> like that, like like that, that stuff, it doesn't have to be because uh, sometimes we go, okay, well that that's. Um, that that that's that's huge, uh, a huge trauma, and we we know stories of that that we're not going to get into. 
and we understand that. Um, but, I, but I would love, and if you are a research scientist who listens to this, please email me, ryan at onebighappyhome.com, because I would love to track if there is um, if there's a correlation between the rise in popularity of birth by cesarean and, mm. um, and, and, and behaviors that are consistent with kids with trauma histories. Because mm. I, would, I, would, I would bet that you would find that that was true. Right. You know, with our oldest and his emergency cesarean, um, this is how much of an emergency it was. From the time that the doctor made the call to take her from the room we were in to the OR, uh, they wheeled her out. One of the nurses stayed behind and said, okay, I'm going to go with them, see where they are, you know, in getting her ready. And just before they're ready to start the procedure, I'll come get you. We'll get you in a gown and booties and the whole thing. And you can be with her. And she came back not even five minutes later. She said, yeah, it's too late. She's already, they're already on the wow. They're already working. So what we're going to do is I'm going to wow. bring you down here to, you know, this part of the hallway. And this is where you can see, you know, your little baby boy come out and be wheeled on his way to the NICU. And so that, that was how fast that happened. So yes, when you say emergency, yeah. yeah, it was certainly that case for us. Yeah. When the medical personnel have panic in their voice and in their, their, their operating cadence, <laughs> that grabs yeah. my attention in, in right. a big hurry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so if it's grabbing our attention, who knows what it's doing to mom, right? Who's oh, oh, got yeah, the baby inside. Well, and, and all of those things, you know, it's ama it's amazing how many things that impact a child before they're even born mm -hmm. or right up until that point, right? And then after that, all the procedures, you know, we had a baby that one of ours was a preemie and was in the NICU and had lots of procedures done. And all of these in those early months and that early um you know, just time where we we used to think, well, they don't, they're not going to remember any of this, but we know now that their body remembers and their body, you know, was supposed to be getting all of that loving, attentive care. And now, but instead was getting pokes and prods and was not being held and cradled like they right. should have been in order to save their life, you know? And so we see the impacts of that. We see how, much just that prenatal trauma impacts kids. And we haven't even talked about the stuff after they're born. Right. I mean, we haven't even talked about all of the things that can happen, you know, postnatal, <laughs> you know, once they're out and walking around in the world, there's so much more trauma that, that happens to these kiddos. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think that, um, I think that, that this probably is going to, um, as 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 for folks who can peel the curtain back a little bit, we do like private chat over here. Uh, since we're remote, we can't just write on pieces of paper and hold it up in front of people like we used to. Uh, and, and well, it could, but it might be a little harder to read on the. Yeah, you know, I mean, it might I, be I a think, little more challenging. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we. I think we. You're right, Chris. That we probably need to just give this the, the attention it deserves and and be happy with that, and maybe go a little longer than, than we thought we were going to. Um, you know the next the next two, um, in 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 and taking your gentle prod to to get on with it, uh, the next two, um, we kind of you know think of them in combo uh, the abuse and neglect yep. because, um, you know particularly uh, when it comes to foster care that's what we think we think of uh, almost exclusively, right? One of the way, you know, 
in the sequence of events that gets the child placed in the child welfare system is a call is made to the abuse and neglect hotline. Uh, And I know that's certainly what it's called here in Texas. I don't know if that's called what that's called everywhere, but in Texas, it's abuse and neglect hotline. So, so we've almost exclusively added abuse and neglect um, to, to foster care. And I think that again, we've done a great service to the children um, by, by primarily thinking those ways, because as we know, um, abuse and neglect are layered. And if you know anything about the ACEs, then you know that they specifically break down um, abuse and neglect into, into multiple categories. They kind of make sense. And the reason I love the ACEs is because um, it kind of kicks back the responsibility a little bit on me, um, which which I will confess to here when we get to it, I think. I don't feel very confessional right now. <laughs> I have to build my courage up. <laughs> well, I think the um, I think when we think of abuse and neglect, oftentimes we think of physical. You know, that, I think yeah. that's the first thing that comes to people's mind is they're like, "Well, you know, my kid wasn't physically abused. Um, maybe they weren't sexually abused, um, but they could have been emotionally abused." Right. Um, and that one's a harder one to pinpoint. But it has really long-lasting, deep impacts, especially on, um, especially on their um, belief system, yeah. and just what they think about themselves. You know, I think when someone has suffered emotional abuse, um, they they really feel badly about themselves. They have a low self-esteem. You you see those impacts, but those aren't always easily measured. Right. Because right. oftentimes if someone's being emotionally abused, it's done behind closed doors and you typically are not seeing um, lots of that out in public. I, oftentimes when I see um, someone who is just really berating or really shaming their child um, in public, my first thought is always, what are they doing behind closed doors? If that's how they're speaking to their children or if that's what they're doing um, when everyone's watching what's happening behind closed doors, but we don't always see that, um, piece of it. Um, and the same thing when it comes to neglect, you know, we always think of physical neglect. Mm. Before you move on from, from neglect, I wanted to say something about sexual abuse because, because right. it, it's another one that's kind of like that, like physical abuse. Sometimes you can see signs of it, you know, and you hear stories of kids about how, um, my, my mom, used to put makeup on me um, before I went to school so that people wouldn't start asking questions because, you know, dad's blows weren't just where the cover, my, what my clothing covered. Mm. Um, there, there, there is that. The emotional abuse, like Kayla said, some short, the sexual abuse is really, really complicated um, because um, oftentimes um, the, the, there's threats involved. There's like if you tell anybody... Mm. And I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt your family member. It's often done by somebody the children know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like, you know, a sad reality that there are a lot of kids that have no idea that it's wrong because it's the normal thing that happened in their lives. Mm. Um, oh. You know, and we won't get into it too much, but if you really are, um, want to read some stuff about sexual abuse, um, in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, there's a section on a study that, that Van der Kolk did with, um, with women who are sexual abuse victims. And it's really... Um, it was eye-opening uh, and obviously very distressing, 
Um, but I won't, I won't get into it because that's not really what this episode's about. But other than to say that, that sexual abuse is, is, right, is rightfully its own category under abuse um, mm-hmm. outside of physical because it is both physical and emotional abuse that the, in, in combination and yeah. the psychological damage that's done um, to, to, um, to young women, particularly who are sexually abused, um, is astounding. Uh, it really is, yeah. is tragic. And I think there's a lot of shame that's wrapped around it too, because, you know, even, you know, when a child has been sexually abused and a parent finds out about it, then there's shame of, I didn't protect my child. I should have protected them. What didn't I do? What, you know, or am I going to get into trouble for this? You know, and so sometimes it gets hidden or it gets pushed to the side because um, there's this fear of, you know, repercussions. And so that, yeah, it is a, it's a whole nother level. And oftentimes it comes out much, much later, like the abuse has stopped and years down the road, it comes to light that it had happened. Um, and that can be really scary. You know, that can be really scary for anyone trying to figure out how to navigate that situation. But it's yeah. very damaging for our kids. It's very damaging for anyone who's been sexually abused, but we're obviously particularly talking to our kids who this may have happened to. Hey friends, it's Kayla North, and I want to tell you about a course that Ryan and I created just for you. Moms and dads walking this connected parenting journey need someone to walk alongside them. And that's what Build is all about. We've taken the best connected parenting principles and put them into a six-week course where we can walk alongside you and help answer your questions as you try out these strategies and learn new things. Want to join our next round of Build? Look at the show notes for a link so you can find out when the next course is starting. All of these courses are taught virtually, so it doesn't matter where you are. Join us for our next round of Build. You were about to start talking yeah. about neglect, one of you. Well, and I, what I was going to say, you know, because with abuse and neglect, we always think of the physical and the same as the emotional, I mean, as the emotional abuse, there's that emotional neglect, um, which again, is often really hard to, to pick up on because a lot of times when a child's being emotionally neglected, they are... Um, their physical needs are being taken care of. Um, they have food, they have, you know, I think it's, it's a really, um, it's a really hard one to pinpoint almost sometimes to the point until they're an adult and they look back and they, they say, Oh my gosh, Mm. I didn't get the emotional attention. And now I'm realizing that that's really hard for me, you know? So parents sometimes discovered in their own adulthood, that maybe they didn't get that. I, I We've seen situations where um, emotional neglect was happening and the caregiver loved the child so much um, and wanted so much to do what was right, but didn't know how to show that emotional um, care. And so anytime any emotions were shared, they were immediately um, shut down. They were immediately dismissed. They were immediately told to stop crying. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Um, And no emotional attention was given to the child 
whenever they needed it. You know, there was no comfort that was given in an emotional moment. There was no um, responding to emotional needs that was happening. So there was a lot of neglect in the area of emotions, but it wasn't for lack of loving the child. It was for lack of knowing any better. It was for lack of having gotten that own emotional attention as a child. Well, I think that the, the something you said was really important there. And just in case it wasn't like, you know, front and center, oftentimes, and I know we were guilty of this at first. I don't, I don't know about you guys, Chris, uh, you and Kelly, if you guys thought thought this way, but I know Kayla and I certainly did, is we had some real um, negative thoughts and emotions about uh, some of our kiddos' birth families because we always assigned malice mm. to these things. Mm. Yeah. Right? We always assigned malice. Like, like why, why didn't, why didn't you just do better? Why did you make those choices? Well, as we've we've come to 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 know people and and, and travel down this journey with some folks, and mm-hmm. we've come to understand that that and this is sometimes hard for us to accept is that a lot of times our kids' birth families did the best they could. It just wasn't good enough for our children, but that doesn't right. mean that they didn't try really, really, really hard. And so you have to have a lot of grace for every aspect of your child's story. Um, and particularly the people in it, even though sometimes you don't want to. Um, I know that sometimes I didn't want to, but 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 you know, the, the Lord was kind enough to kind of teach us that lesson that um, you know being being judgmental of people who maybe you know the third generation. You know, we talk about generational mm-hmm. curses, right? I mean, the, the, this could be generations of this kind of stuff has been going on in the family, and so we have need to have a lot of um, a lot of grace for that. You know, I think one of the things that we learned early on is that sometimes we just want to talk about the joy of adoption, particularly, but we have to realize that at the genesis of that story, there is heartbreak and sadness. And so, um, yeah, so so I just, okay, Kel, I kind of picked up that that's kind of you were talking, sort of weaving around yeah. that point, and I just wanted to make sure that it was really, really clear. And the other thing I'm saying, remember I said I was going to be confessional earlier? This is where I'll be confessional mm-hmm. now, and I think I think, and, and I would like to challenge everybody to be to just own this. Um, it's so easy for us to look at look at other people and point to their wrongs, but I will tell you that when you don't look up from this thing, when your children want your attention, I'm suggesting you're going to be you're emotionally neglectful because they have come to you, and you have just given them the Heisman. For those of you who aren't college football fans, you've just extended a stiff arm and shoved them mm-hmm. um, uh, away from you and we have to be so so careful because i think sometimes you can go well at least the things that i'm doing aren't as bad as some of the things that have happened in the past and and that doesn't help anybody anybody at all you have to look at what you're doing and evaluate whether it's good or bad on its own merits not on relative merits to somebody else because i guarantee you i can always find somebody who's doing worse than i can and somebody can always find me who's doing worse than they are uh, I saw it, Chris. I think you, you might like like this. I um, I saw a quote by Charles Spurgeon recently. It said, "Do not be angry at a man who speaks ill of you, because I assure you, you are far worse than he thinks you are." <laughs> can, yeah, can I get real. a witness? <laughs> for those of you not watching the video, nobody raised their hands when I asked for a witness. No, sorry. <laughs> Um, well, and I think, you know, going back to what you said about the, the biological family, I think just understanding trauma and understanding all the ways that we're impacted by trauma, um, 
has helped me see past some of the hard things in our kids' biological family, has helped us see some past some of the hard things in our own families, um, in our parents and grandparents, um, and honestly has made me look at people just in general, like when someone is particularly snarky or rude or just, just not nice in just in my everyday life, the cashier at the store, the waitress, the, you know, whoever it is that I come into contact with, I always kind of have this, now that I understand trauma, I always kind of think what's gone on in their past that makes them respond in that way, Mm. Um, which I think is good. I mean, I think the more we can be aware of that, the more, and we can even, you know, to our kids, you know, I think, I know my kids, um, especially my older kids can probably see a difference from early on when they were younger, how I might have responded to someone who wasn't kind versus how I respond now, you know, because I think, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I probably didn't respond very well to those people because I was just like, why on earth are they being so mean? Because that's not okay. You don't treat people that way. And I responded in it, not in, not, So in kind sounds like the wrong word because I wasn't responding kindly, but I responded in the same way they were responding. But as I've understood trauma, I've, I, I now begin to wonder what's going on with them. What has, what has been going on in their life that's caused them to get to that place? Um, So it's, you know, just understanding trauma helps me with people in general, not just my kids, not just their birth family, but yeah. my my family, your family, other people, you know. It, it it's it's true. You know, I really agree with what you said there about how it has changed the way you look looks at other people, right? It's like you know, chefs don't look at the food in in other people's restaurants the way I do. I'm just like mm, delicious. They're like that was plated weird, <laughs> you know. Uh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Uh, and I think something else that kind of goes along with that when we look at look at other trauma, which which you know, people are like well, that's just a catch all. But when we look at other trauma um, on that list, one of the things that I had to learn, and um, our dear friend Tess Nordic taught me this one day, um, she said, the thing about trauma is that it's personal. Nobody gets to tell you how that something impacts you. And so, you know, my example of that is, is some years ago, uh, one of our dogs died and, uh, you know, we had uh, Presley and Valentine before we had kids. And so when Valentine passed, um, you know, none of our children had lived in a world without that dog. And I remember some of them, um, it was biblical. It was like donning of, of sackcloth. There was ashes. There was shaving of the head. There was a time, official time of mourning. There was wailing. And the others were like, what's the big deal? It's this dog. And I remember at the time being really annoyed by the what's the big deal? It's just the dog faction in the house. But what I've come to understand since then is is sometimes people deal with things in the way that helps them deal with things, right? Because because opening up to that bothering uh, one of our children would certainly by them be viewed as potentially the door opening to a whole bunch of things they didn't want to talk about or even think about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes we're dismissive of other trauma. Like we'll say, well, other trauma, yes, they lived through a hurricane. Okay, 
Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that living through 2020 is going to check the other trauma box for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And not just, and not just people who, um, and not just people who, who lost jobs or, 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 you know, lost a loved one, um, or, or themselves were, were ill. Um, I mean, those, those are kind of obvious, but, but thinking about, um, you know, the fact that the people have been, been stuck in their houses now for mm-hmm. the better part of nine months. I know we haven't been stuck in our houses for the better part, but, but for, you know, some people I have to, been though. I mean, some people I mean, that have to, underlying health conditions have, have really yeah. been stuck, you know? you know, and, 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 pe- and people, I mean, there, there, there are marriages that, that are struggling because like, what, what did, what did the pastor say today? Because, you know, getting in your car and going to your office for eight hours a day was like a good buffer. And now all of a sudden you're like with each other all the time. And it's really, really hard. Um, you know, Kayla and I just really talked about that and how we've kind of managed that here at home and having our own spaces and, and kind of, you know, going to them, um, you know, for, for hours at a time. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the other trauma things important, particular in the context of the year we've been in, um, I told somebody, um, you know, August or September, I said, Hey, if, if you ever doubt how fear drives your child's behavior, please remember all the things you did in 2020, because it yeah. absolutely does. Right. And what we've got left on, on our list over there in the, in the, the trauma list. The only other thing that I see would have been uh, household dysfunction. Um, the household dysfunction thing is, like I said, straight tripping aces. And so oftentimes, particularly um, when we've worked with, with churches and sometimes with schools, uh, unless unless they have a high population of kids, particularly from the foster care system, a lot of the other things we've talked about tonight, they're like super, like sort of, yeah, that's not our kids, mm. right? It's not personal for mm. them. But then we get to this household dysfunction thing. And we look at the ACEs, the, the, the three abuse and the two neglect, you understand that if those things are happening, um, you've now created a loop because the household dysfunction items that we're going to talk about are a result of those things being there and then those things being there are a result of the, of, of the household dysfunction. So it kind of loops and loops and loops, right? Yeah. And I know we don't have time to talk about the impacts of trauma tonight, but um, you know, if, if you want to, we'll, we'll put in, in the show notes a link to some of the ACEs studies um, and the, the impacts of ACEs. It is fascinating, fascinating, the impact that, that, that stress on your body from childhood stress has on your body um, in terms of like, you know, Reducing the number of year, your life expectancy, mm-hmm. higher risks for a whole bunch of things, including strokes and heart disease and stuff like that. Anyway, so there's, there's five household dysfunction, right? So I'll just go through them quickly. Mental illness. Okay, make makes sense, right? Um, uh, incarcerated relative. Um, mother treated violently. Substance abuse. And again, you may say to me, that's not really our population. But the fifth household dysfunction item is the catch-all, divorce. Mm. Right. The the research says that if a if a if parents get divorced on or before a child's fourth birthday, now four's um, important in typical childhood development because it's around that time when kids have a concrete understanding of right and wrong. Mm. Um, right and mm. wrong is 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 mainly mostly abstract to children up until that age. Um, but if you um, but if your parents are together and then they're not before before your fourth birthday. They've tracked in over the 25 years, and we forget that the ACEs is turning 26 in 2021, right? It's been around a long time. We've only been talking about it for the last five or six years in, in the mainstream now. And I mean, like Oprah did like, like a 60 minutes on it, right? I mean, it really is entering in the mainstream now. 
Um, but the research says that if you, your parents were uh, divorced between your fourth birthday, you are twice as likely to have a stroke as an adult as somebody whose parents were married, still married when they turned four. Wow. Now, again, the caveat being if you don't do anything to make sense of your history, like if you just go, I'm fine, and shove it there, it actually has, has a profoundly negative impact on not just your mental health, but your actual physical health mm. as well. And so that's why the household dysfunction stuff is like super, super interesting to me um, because you can run and hide from a lot of the other stuff on the list. You can't hide, run and hide from those five, not all of them. Mm. Well, I think those are the those are the things when we talk about trauma that begin to point back to maybe our own childhood and our own, um, yeah. our own history where we might have said, well, I didn't have any trauma in my past. And now all of a sudden you are confronted with ACEs and you think, okay, maybe I did have a little trauma <laughs> in my past. Maybe there are some things that I'm being triggered by because of my kids' trauma triggering my trauma right. that I never dealt with. And so, um, yeah, I think it, Anybody that's listening that has not read about the ACEs or has not done any, um, has not really, if this is the first time you're hearing about ACEs, definitely look at those notes, um, the show notes, and click on some of those links because, I mean, it's just fascinating um, information. And I think it's made a huge difference for us in understanding our own histories, but also, you know, thinking through again, like we were talking about other people that we come into contact with and realizing their history, realizing the things that may have gone on in theirs, whether it be the biological family, whether it be the, you know, caseworker that you're, you know, that's handling your case and you're thinking this caseworker is not doing a very good job. And Mm. there's all these things that are happening. Maybe that caseworker has some undealt with trauma in their history. You know, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that understanding ACEs can, I guess there's so many people that when you understand ACEs, you can have so much more compassion and grace for, because you realize that maybe these are some things from their history that they haven't dealt with and that's why they're responding in the way they are yeah yeah and you know what's great as we've decided um for this year to kind of do like series with multiple episodes on the same topic and we've planned them out chris you can say stuff like on the next episode of the empowered burn podcast and i literally tease the episode Right. So, on the next episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast, we're gonna we're gonna talk about kind of the after effects of this trauma. Like, how does this affect our kids? And really, that comes down to fear and felt safety. What are our kids afraid of, and how can we make yeah. them feel safe? And we're gonna kind of talk about you know how that looks upstairs, downstairs brain. You may have heard those terms thrown out before. We're gonna talk about that. Where I talk about you know fear responses because I know for you know one of the fear responses was one that I had never considered before, and because we used to think there were just two, fight or flight, and now we realize there's a there's a third, freeze, and I definitely have a freezer on my hands. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's real big and white. It sits in my garage, but I have a kid who freezes too. <laughs> so, but if you also have one, you have to buy shoes for. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely tune in for our next episode. If if you're seeing behavior that you can't quite explain, well, hopefully we can give you some insights to help you out with that. Yeah. Sounds good. 
So if you've got any questions for us, and I imagine that if you're new to, to this world of trauma, you just might, you can shoot them to us at info at onebighappyhome.com. We're always happy to get mail. And if it's not something that we're planning to talk about, we'll see if there's a, a way we can work it in, or maybe we'll just save it and do you know a, a listener question episode uh, somewhere down the road this year. Sounds fantastic. Oh, also, one thing we should also mention Okay. We have created a brand new Patreon, um, I guess we should say patron, Facebook group. Um, so initially when we started our um, Patreon account, we thought, well, we'll just, we'll just use the, we'll just grandfather everybody in that's already in our, in our Facebook group. Um, but that Facebook group has gotten pretty large, yes. and so it doesn't really seem to be much of a benefit for our patrons. So what we decided to do was our patrons, if you are a patron for as little as $5 a month, you get access to our brand new private Facebook group. Um, and we're going to be doing some fun things inside that group. You'll get a lot more access to the three of us in that group. Um, and so we Facebook would love... <laughs> yes, we'd love for you to go to patreon.com slash empowered parent and become a $5 or more um, a month supporter. It really helps us be able to continue um, making episodes and um, just putting out great content for you guys. Um, so we would love for you to join us there. And then you can join us in our in our private Facebook group. Um, which is a really, it'll be a really small group to start with um, because, you know, we only have, what do we have about 20 Patreon patrons at this point. Um, and we would love for some more of you guys to join us and just um, we've had so much fun getting to know those patrons um, through our Q and A's that we do every month and through our um, coaching calls and things like that that we've been able to do. So we would love, love, love for more of you guys to join us for that. And if nothing else, uh, we would love for you to subscribe regularly to the podcast. And you can do that uh, through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and we're on Spotify too. Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast. And when that pops up in your app of choice, hit that big old subscribe button. That really helps us out too. It also helps that if you've enjoyed and gotten value from the show, if you would leave us a review in any of those locations, wherever you're subscribing from, we would really appreciate that as well. Finally, the Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening. <laughs>